looked at my face in the mirror on my <laughs> you're, or spent more you're time totally, in makeup, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're totally good. And we're live. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, that wasn't a good enough warning. And uh, hello and welcome to the King Heroes Journey podcast. I have the great pleasure of being here with, uh, I'll call him Bear, but I'll let you know that he's Dr. Bear Lando in case you don't recognize just his first name. And we are going live to Fakebook and Rockfin and YouTube. Let's see what is happening on YouTube. There we go. And we'll turn that off. There we go. And uh, there might be a demon in the house so far. We're seeing they're seeing uh, somebody's actually named warning signs in the in the chat. So that's kind of a warning sign. And we'll see what happens. We did our Bitches Brew interview, or not interview, but um, uh, live stream the other night, and it got completely eaten by bots. Like the, the chat was just taken over. Oh, somebody else is. Is there an echo on your site? Are you playing? I just took care of it. Sorry about that. Okay, okay, not a problem. I, um, I thought it was me again. <laughs> so great. Well, that we're off me. to off to a start, but welcome, Bear. So great to have you here again. Awesome to be here. And I always enjoy our chats immensely and uh, honored to be here. Thank you. All right. And your platform is uh, growing immensely. You're just doing amazing work. Oh, thank you. It's been super fun to watch things take off. And, uh, you know, just in time for the whole thing to fall apart, it's perfect. So we do have a few people in the chat. Laura Hoff is here, and we'll see if warning signs is a demon or not. And uh, that was ridiculous the other night with the bots. I know, I know it was crazy. We were there was like seven or ten of us, quickly trying to erase them, and they they obviously had some uh, machine power behind them, not not a human there. But I was just going to say, every creepy. single time, yeah, it was creepy actually. Hello, Rob B. And uh, so every time that I have interviewed you, it, it's such a, uh, an honor for me, honestly, and I'm not trying to pedestal you up, but that's how I feel about all my guests because, you know, there's nothing more powerful for me in, a, in a, almost in a selfish way to, to have a personal conversation with somebody whose work I value, right? If I can get in and I can talk to them and I can ask my questions and get that direct transmission, then it's so powerful. And the thing I've noticed about the two other times that I've interviewed you and, and been on Alpha um, Veda, Vedic as well on your podcast is that the, you know, not only do you practice what you preach, but you carry that very waveform of what you're talking about. So for example, the last time we talked about the jab and why it's a problem for others, you know, that quote unquote shedding kind of thing, uh, I was literally high for 20 hours, uh, 24 hours after. I almost couldn't do anything. It was just poof, <laughs> like I'm out there. <laughs> and so, it, you know, and it, and it really speaks for itself because I've never heard you brag about yourself or say how great you are or, you know, uh, we had a talk before and you prefer not to be called Dr. Lando. You'd like to be called Bear, just, you know, acting like a regular guy, which, which um, I'm not going to argue that, but, you know, energy speaks for itself. Power speaks for itself. And that's something that I always read on you. Well, thank you. <clears throat> I think being in the uh, geezer phase of life right now, I, I am a little prone to telling some more stories, but I think they do have <laughs> some value because, um, you know, when you have a perspective from a longer timeline, you can remember things that other people haven't experienced yet. And I, I believe that, you know, in, in other cultures where you have elders, 
uh, they were very esteemed, uh, you know, not that I'm asking for that, but um, because, you know, they could share hopefully some wisdom that they picked up uh, just from, you know, having greater experience and, and, a, and a different timeline to create a different context, uh, you know, for current events. So, uh, you know, I will uh, go into those sometimes, but... Um, but other than that, you know, I just have nothing more than what I've confirmed with my own experience. And that's what I share. Mm, that's amazing. And that's where I'm kind of getting to as well. If I can't have my own experience, I can't consider it to be true. Right. It doesn't it doesn't carry that yeah. that vibration of truth. not to say that there aren't obviously things I haven't observed. So and I'll hold out and suspend my my knowledge but uh yeah i mean the, the the more experience you have and it's not a given right because many many people get old and become you know elderly but they don't really become an elder it's it's not something that you're just handed it, it does come with trial and error and uh you know making a lot of mistakes is usually how people become wise right going down the wrong paths and and finding out what the right path is by default and that's on theme today for for the talk that we're going to have. So, uh, if you're not familiar with Dr. Lando, then uh, with with Bear Lando, then then um, he is noted among his peers for innovative clinical strategies uh, as a bio terrain medicine and functional movement specialist. So he has a a, a, a huge background in natural health and seeing how. Uh, you know, the, especially now it's more poignant than ever with germ theory, right? That that has got to go down. So thank you for being a champion of that message. Even in the truth community, I see it's so prevalent. People are still acting as if, right? Somebody said, oh, very important video last night. And it's all about how the bioweapon was created in China. And it's like, no, no, it's not like that. Mm -hmm. It's just not like that. That's a psyop. That's a narrative. They, they created a whole level of narrative just for us. <laughs> I feel special now. And so uh, that's been amazing to, to follow your work for that reason. Also very into, uh, 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 he's earned his, his colors as a master gardener and permaculture designer and uh, off, oversees the off-grid medicinal herb farm. I know there's a lot of development there. So if that weren't enough, then I heard that you've been studying the law for decades at the same time. And then, and then on Alpha Vedic, you hosted, you did, you did two streams, one, one on land patent and land rights and then you had Ron Gibson on who I highly recommend what a beauty speaking of elders what a beautiful man yeah and he's uh, also of Native American heritage so uh, you know I always we'll get more into it you know if, if you care to but when it comes into the land patent process you know we're basically bringing the title uh, forth you know that's always been there and, and just being formally recognized that we are the new assignee and, uh, you know, I, I think it's a very valuable process that we'll, we'll discuss. Um, but I also have a little problem with that because basically you're reverting back to treaties and things that were, you know, made by folks that were the same folks that are giving us all the grief these days. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's always this kind of catch 22 wherever you go. Um, you know, as far as the germ theory thing, just a, a real quick comment. I was never in any academic debate over germ theory. I did, you know, when I was in naturopathic college after my conventional medical training, I did, um, you know, study with uh, the original German microbiologist. 
And, uh, you know, it kind of made perfect sense. And then I learned the microscopy techniques and so forth that I used for years and, you know, practiced over thousands of people and saw with my own eyes how microbes actually work in the body. So uh, just like my farming now, you know, I'm on a relatively new piece of land here for our larger farm. And it's taken a few years just to get to know it and see how things grow and everything. And that's all about trained medicine is. It's recognizing that uh, certain things work, some things don't. But either way, you have to find out, you know, the role uh, of all the characters, you know, in the soil and the air, the, you know, the water and, and how all these forces come to play. And then if you do a little bit of uh, self-study that I, I did in one course in naturopathic college, I found that the whole germ theory was based on, uh, you know, false premises. And, and it's just astounding that this continues to this day. So the things that I've shared recently, you know, in light of the, the fake microbe thing is uh, just, you know, what I've learned from my experience. And, you know, we're talking about knowledge. Well, knowledge is an information. And, you know, from day one in, in my schooling, probably like everybody else, you know, they started cramming information down our throats and then saying, believe. And then we regurgitate it back and get a dog bone if we get the correct answer. And uh, I always rebelled against that and uh, still do to this day. And so, you know, I did take uh, great lengths to go in different uh, schools, universities, uh, you know, methods of study, self-study to get information. But then, you know, it only becomes knowledge when you apply it and have your own experience. Otherwise, you're just regurgitating words. You might as well be a parrot, which is what most of the gatekeepers, which we call doctors, lawyers, and so forth these days, accountants, that's all they're doing. They're parroting information and they are believers, which makes them more uh, akin to religious zealots than real practitioners, scientists, and so forth. I love that you even said the word accountant, because I am doing an internal study right now about counting in general and the accountancy and how much of of uh, the, the, the so-called, you know, medical science, gosh, I don't know what we can even say anymore on these platforms, but uh, luckily we're, we're on Rockfin, by the way, if you want to go to an uncensored platform, we're, we're over there, I'll, I'll share a link shortly. But, uh, you know, how much of medicine is accounting? And because that's why they need to test you and they need to check you and they need to uh, take, you know, blood counts. For example, when I was sick with cancer, they would take my blood continuously. I finally asked, what are you doing with this blood? Like, you know, what are you reading? What, are you, what does it reflect about my health? And they're like, uh, nothing because your cancer doesn't show up in your blood. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'll take my blood back. I'll be having that back and you can't have my blood anymore. This is over. Vampires. <laughs> like what? You know, just just a crazy kind of thing. And then and then you think you have something when you get that count, but you really have nothing. You're in the same place all over again. Same with having a baby. I didn't want them doing some basic things. It got me fired from a, a home birth, but I had that home birth anyway. I ended up free birthing because I didn't want to be uh, measured and checked and uh, have all because I, I could not see the sense in it. I was I was intimately connected with my own body, with my baby. And and I felt like if we were in trouble, I was going to know it. And I would take action mm -hmm. and act accordingly, whatever it was. You know, if, if I all of a sudden wanted heart tones and wanted to be checked and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure I would know it. 
and that's just not nature's way. So how, what, do you, what do you feel about accounting? Well, science is a, an equation. You could look at it that way. And it has two sides in order for the equation to work. You have uh, quantity and quality. And, uh, you know, the scientists of old understood quality. In fact, they actually weighted that greatly um, in order to understand natural processes and how to, you know, make life better for humanity. So we have been taken purposely and deviously into one side of the equation, which is the quantification. So what's that do? It reduces everything to pieces or particles or components without looking at the whole. Now, it becomes really farcical when you get into real science that understands that there's no such thing as particles in the first place. So all of those things are fictions. They're aberrations that are, you know, appear to us in uh, our senses and the extension of our senses through microscopes and, and EKGs and things like that. But it's still a fiction. And it's the same game they play in the monetary system. We have accountants that are counting not quality or real energy put out by sentient beings, which is the only thing that could possibly give anything value in the first place. But no, we count these digits. You know, we don't even have the pieces of paper anymore, and they're going to be eliminated very soon, which is what the fake microbe is about. It has nothing to do with a microbe. It has to do with follow the money. And uh, everything can be answered if you look at things from a monetary value. So accountants are one of the primary gatekeepers because they keep us in this fictional reality that something has worth if they can count it without even appreciating what it is, how it got out there in the first place, and that we are in fact the creators of the whole shebang in the first place, which would of course bring us back to the seat of power and eliminate the need for us to do all this paperwork game just to withdraw our consent and and you know uh, get access to our equity so that we can settle their phony accounts in the first place that they created by creating franchises in our name and then you know creating a death cult a literal death cult out of that complete with uh, you know high priest and and magistrates you know wearing twenty five dollar polyester suits and and you know doing their geomancy so um you, you know it's it's an amazing science fiction novel that we are experiencing right now and the fact that it has nothing more to do than a mass hypnosis um it is evident on its face because when you learn just a little bit of truth let alone do a deep dive you find that it, it's so amazingly ludicrous that nobody with you know just a modicum of intelligence could possibly believe it in the first place but we believe it because we are not intellectual beings we are emotional beings are you hearing me okay oh there you uh, are yes okay. perfect sorry i just had to mute for a second okay yeah we are emotional beings and that's the the source of the dissonance that we see in the general population you know even when you give them 
facts that they can easily verify for themselves or just use common sense logic. They failed to do so because they have been programmed to believe. And then, of course, the beliefs, you know, just a, a very basic uh, mind control trick is they couple those beliefs, that information with emotional content. And now those emotional attachments are what prevent people just from being able to understand what's right in their face or to go explore to see if I wonder if there's any truth to this in the first place. There you go. Wow, that was so deep. <laughs> That's lovely. I'm, I'm so glad this came up because uh, it's always on my mind, this counting thing. And, and it, it's, I, I love that because it is, it is that emotional connection that gives it the, the, the gravity, if that's a real thing. And, and people watching their numbers go up and get excited and go down and, and get afraid and go up and get excited and go down and get afraid. Uh, your point about real value, right? It's, it's not there in the numbers. It's absolutely nominal on paper only or on a screen only, not even paper anymore. Is going the way of the dodo. So, uh, and and if you ever noticed that there is a, a mechanical thing, possibly because of the programming, that that the mind counts. You know, I go to water my plants, and I find myself counting one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. What you know? And and there's maybe there is a certain place in nature for that kind of regularity or knowing that you know if I water my plants more or less every seven days, they do okay. Uh, do you think there's any place in nature for accounting before we uh, jump into the topics that we planned for today? Uh, I don't see it, really. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that we'll be teaching here on the farm, uh, we're constructing our lab as we speak, so we'll be doing soil science and everything. So I, I do get into that nerdy kind of stuff. And, you know, mm -hmm. we, we do measure things and create equations and resistance uh, equations to see what we need to do to change the electrical vectors in the soil, make things grow better. So that's kind of a cool thing. I, I love that stuff and, and I do do it. But when it comes to day-to-day -day affairs, uh, absolutely not. I don't pay attention. Uh, this morning, you know, right before I got on, I was out, you know, doing irrigation and switching hoses and things. And, and uh, you know, you just walk up to one patch at a time and, oh, no, we're okay. Oh, we need it over here. Um, you know, I can look at things and tell things they might need oh, time to, you know, feed so-and-so. But it's all a resonance. It's an understanding. There's no thinking. There's no quantifying. It's just a relationship that you build within those natural forces or with those natural forces. It becomes a continuous informational field of exchange. And there's no reason to communicate with words, numbers, or anything else. And of course, what you're describing with your experience in medicine, um, you know, a lot of those markers that they are so intent on, you know, keeping track of, well, you know, a lot of those markers have been debunked in the first place, like some of them that they might associate with prostate cancer or something. Well, there's a lot of other things that can elevate those markers. And then myself, you know, in years of practice, I'd find that okay, people get rid of their problems when you manage the terrain properly. And uh, those markers may be up or down. It doesn't even matter. They're inconsequential. We didn't even really care. But meanwhile, you've got all these people that, you know, go in for their annual checkup. They see a shadow here or a marker is up here on labs or something. And then, of course, the, the, the folks, uh, 
you know, in the white coats will say, well, come on back in a couple of weeks, we'll give you the diagnosis. And, and then you live in abject fear for, you know, your life, uh, you know, for the next two weeks waiting for the verdict. And then, of course, when you get into real science based medicine, like German new medicine, you find that that creates other insults to the psyche that then interplay uh, you know, with brain centers that then trigger biological responses to relieve the pressure on the psyche that's created by that fear mechanism that was implanted in you by the medical profession in the first place. And then that will create another thing that they'll go ahead and diagnose as, oh my God, now it's here, it's metastasized. And, and you know, it's, it's just so out in la-la land. And then, of course, uh, I read just the other day in um in a little uh commentary how bioterrain medicine is now considered not only quackery but you know we're right in the category with flat earthers and everything else and i'm not disparaging any group or belief system i'm just saying they lump everything together that they don't want people to look at so um <laughs> that's why we need to exit this is the exodus. That's what's happening right now. It's not Armageddon, it's exodus. And, uh, you know, and that's where you've done a brilliant job bringing all these great minds together that are discussing methods to interface with the beast in a way to um, do a peaceful exodus rather than going into what they would consider dishonor or controversy. What a beautiful introduction to to the topic. Yeah, wow, it's so expanded. I, I want to talk about uh, how also <clears throat> somebody said in, in the chat. I'm sorry, I'm missing everybody's uh, comments in the chat. I'm 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 not. Uh, I was going to say hypnotized, but very uh, focused on every word that you're saying. So good. I'll go back and listen to these over and over again. I'm sure other people will too. Oh, uh, Mike is here. You're your uh, better half over at Alpha Vedic. Uh, digitized Dr. Fletcher in the house, exactly, exactly. Komen is here, Alicia, Tanya Marie has been saying, saying uh, wise things, accounting is karma, yeah, and and accounting in law too. Uh, I, I couldn't love what you just said more about uh, gracefully leaving. Like if, if you haven't already got the sign that it's time to go from Babylon, then, then you know the writing is on the wall. Every single day, I see another disinvitation or another rejection of some kind. I signed up for a ton of rejection in my life, and I'm I'm pretty good at it now. So uh, luckily, it doesn't it doesn't hurt my feelings much. And I love what you said also about how the it, it is the you know we're, we're we're emotional spiritual beings, and and that's the primary energy that ends up unfortunately uh, joining with or becoming uh, uh, you know in in that joinder relationship with all of the wrong things uh, when you think about law say from a you know not studied perspective you think like we see those scales it's the, the, the scales of justice it's weighing goodness and wrongness and that's been projected onto our creator that's an accounting system how much good how much bad well that's actually satanic because they think well if I've done all this bad now I can go and do all this good and erase that debt Right, the very, the very, the very um, reality, reality of debt, is is that accounting, and and so the the graceful leaving of Babylon. This is the art that that we have to 
figure out, and I know you've been studying for a long time, one of the things that we wanted to talk about today was the history of where all of this comes from, how, how, you know, how did it come to be, because it's not just, it didn't just appear by any stretch of the imagination, and I'd love to hear, and we're going to talk about land patents and, and land rights, what, what that actually means, the difference between that and a deed, you know, people basically don't own anything, you can't even build a shed on your land without going to get a permit right if you do it it's it's considered wrong and bad and you can be fined and they can make you take it down although I, I love that expression you know build it first and then try to you know make them take it down or make you take it down it's much harder that way so would you like to dive into some history or anything else that you want to share first yeah sure um you know first off i think Perhaps what I have to add to, you know, what you've been doing brilliantly out there is, you know, just a little perspective. Um, I, I think a lot of your guests have taken it to new levels, uh, you know, as far as processes and, and also integrating, you know, spiritual awareness into it. Just I'm in awe of this next generation that has taken what some of us did years ago to that next level. And as I explained to you, you know, I kind of did what I did just because I understood, number one, you know, I was practicing medicine already when I got into this legal sovereign stuff. And the reason why I did is I started having little light bulbs come on that it had everything to do with people's health. And if they were giving their energy, their authority, their will force to um, a fictional authority, then that, according to the laws of physics, waveform mechanics, however you want to talk about it, is has to you know, then filter down all the way through the, the major electronic levels and mirror in our physical biology. So it's impossible to be completely healthy in body when you're, you know, getting up every day and paying your taxes, asking for permission, putting on, a, um, you know, the new switch, um, uh, you know, identifier that we call a face mask, um, you know, and everything else that they're trying to get. So... It, it has to holographically outpicture in every cell of your body. There's no way around it. There's no escape. And somebody in the audience I know mentioned karma. Well, that's what karma is. Karma isn't like original sin that we have to atone for, which means we're bad. It just means, nah, you know, we put forces in motion uh, that we don't quite understand yet. There are consequences for that. But then the consequences, even if they bring unpleasant things in our life, it's not bad. Those are the experiences. It's why we play the game in the first place. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to be in the simulation here in the first place. So, you know, then we get to say, well, I don't really like that. So maybe I should do something different. Of course, we have a planet of people now that are doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. So, um, you know, the history of this uh for me began with uh you know there's some people by the name of elvik and others that were early pioneers and you know people that spent time in prison which gave them a lot of time to um study and they uh you know uh pioneered some uh processes we would call redemption back then and if you look at the processes that have evolved out of that they all have elements of all these things that i learned the only problem with back then is we learned little bits at a time and then we would take what we thought we know into the arena of, you know, legal processes and uh, 
you know, I still have a lot of scars to, you know, to, to prove it. And, yeah, I'd love um, to hear you any know, more stories. Yeah, so that's why, you know, that's how we learned. And, you know, a lot of folks today I listen to, they say, oh, well, a lot of people get arrested and all that. Well, yeah. Uh, and a lot of us did. Uh, I know people personally that died, you know, paid the ultimate price. Mm. Uh, I have a dear friend that's still on the lam, you know, since 1998, <laughs> uh, uh, you know. He was oh in the gosh. circles with the original Montana Freeman. Uh, anyway, you know, all of these people, uh, rather than looking back and saying, oh, they didn't get it or they did stupid things or, you know, it's like, no. Today, we have these processes that have evolved because these folks uh, and, you know, myself included, we stuck our necks out and, you know, figured a lot of things out. And then, you know, of course, the next generation is supposed to take it to the next level, like with any endeavor. You know, we don't want to be just believers of the early teachers. We want to keep moving the ball downfield. That's what teachers expect of their students. So um, the redemption movement was basically about understanding that uh, it's all about trust. And trust are contracts. And of course, we operate in the world of fictional trust. The original trust is the Trinity. And of course, everything mm. that they do mirrors natural law and which is synonymous with spiritual law. So the original Trinity, if you get into the waveform mechanics of it, you have the fulcrum, the stillness, the father, you know, the source of all consciousness. There's nothing moving. There's no parts. It's just pure consciousness. And then that has the ability to create the two polarities. You could think of it as a fulcrum with a pendulum swinging back and forth. And, uh, you know, then in alchemy, we had different uh, terminologies for it. The mercury, the sulfur, the salt, uh, you know, the moon, uh, you know, the lunar uh, energies versus the solar energies, you know, that are the, the yin and the yang. I mean, every culture has, uh, you know, depicted this in different ways. And it's been in our face all the time. So, of course, the trust that we have originally as being individualizations from our creator is a sacred trust. And we are given full uh, license, if you will, and prerogative to create as we will, as long as it obeys natural law, doesn't inflict our will or attempt to on other people. Because when we do that, uh, not only is it not sustainable, but we, we will bring forth very unpleasant things to ourselves and those around us. So, of course, what they do is they franchise that divine birthright that each one of us has, create a fictional character. And, um, you know, you guys know the rest, how that works by way of our birth certificate. But these are the first things historically that we started figuring out. And we went through all sorts of processes as far as... Um, affidavits. Uh, that was, you know, where I really started jumping into legal processes and affidavits, which I still do to this day. And I think they're the basis of, you know, really setting the record straight. It's just identical to raising your hand in a, a court of, uh, you know, fictional law and saying, I swear. And uh, you're just giving a statement, you know, that's true to you know your levels of awareness and cognition 
And um, if somebody presents you a state actor, you know, with a bill or a demand to perform, then it's simply a matter of affidavits saying, you know, not arguing and sticking to the facts and holding their feet to the fire and say, well, you know, I don't believe you have this authority and there's no law for this. And, you know, you just state things that are pertinent to whatever's happening and then you notarize it. Uh, I always like to notarize with two other witnesses and the notary would also notarize them being witnesses. And then I would serve a process on whatever actor who is trying to encroach on my rights. So that was, you know, one of the first things that I learned and I think it's as valid today as ever. Uh, I would use, uh, I would never like to go into the public arena and I would always stay in private. And you know what people don't understand is a notary is uh, really the highest judge in the law land because all they are doing is witnessing um, events in the private that always trump the fictional public. So again, going back historically, these are the things we learn. And after that was notarized, then you know we'd send it with uh, you know return postage or, or um, just a proof of postage and delivery and give them so many days to rebut which they couldn't because they perjured themselves if they did if you do the affidavit right and then you put them you know give them a notice to cure and then eventually put them in default and with that default that is law that is an unrebutted affidavit which stands as law and i've done a whole ton of those things so those were some of the early processes that people have built on to this day and uh, you know, along can the I, way, we've also go ahead. Sorry. Quick question: uh, Can you share a couple of examples of us uh, of, with us of how you, how you've used those affidavits in the past? Like like you said, when someone was trying to encroach upon you, and then you use the affidavit process. A few years back, um, good number of years back, I deliberately goaded um, the IRS, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> You know, I just felt like poking the bear to check some things out. <laughs> and um, so what happened is they uh, lodged a notice of lien. Now, in my studies, I know that a notice of lien is not a lien. Two different animals. Ah. But the game that they play, um, which one of the things we figured out, is that they would have a um, county recorder um, record the lien, the notice of lien, because it's an, a, a, a lien is, is different than notice of lien because it, it needs a, a whole different department assessing and their whole, um, you know, system of self-assessment. And I could go on and that, you know, it's just so flawed, so many areas and, and so easy to prove that they cannot lien anybody, but they, they give this notice of lien. Sure enough, the county recorder puts it in a record. Now what the IRS does is they come back and they take that notice of lien after it's been cured for 30 days, they get a certified copy from the county recorder, and then they use that as proof that they have a lien against you, and then they go do all their shenanigans. So I went after the county recorder, and I did an affidavit, which uh, my statement of facts, which was you know, all about 
what I just told you, as well as, um, you know, she is uh, disobeying her oath of office. I pulled her from the county records. I, I took her oath of office that she took and signed. I had, you know, all sorts of exhibits like that with my affidavit. And uh, then I went into her, you know, and I had it notarized in the whole thing all ready to go, you know, that would be presented to her to, you know, with the requirement to rebut. And uh, what happened is um, I went up with somebody with a camera uh, also acting as a witness. And, you know, it's very friendly and everything, you know, nice lady and just said, hey, I need you to pull that and here's why. And you really don't have the authority and this is all bogus. And, you know, we had a little discussion. She had a smirk on her face the whole time, like, oh, God, here's one of those. And so then I said, OK, you know, here you go. And I just put it in her lap and had the whole thing witnessed and everything. Usually I'd do it by mail. And um, of course she didn't respond. And then I eventually uh, leaned her in her personal capacity based wow. on, and so this is a judgment. I don't, I don't believe in going to court myself. I mm -hmm. don't believe I belong in court. Uh, that is not my domain. I am not that person that you know, they need to talk to in court. So why even go there? If I'm, you know, shackled and chained and dragged in there, well, then there's ways to deal with that. But, you know, don't ever go there. It's not where we belong. That's my opinion. Okay, so um, after she got leaned, uh, she started getting a little bit worried and all that kind of stuff. Now, I didn't uh, hear back from her. A few weeks later, the, you know, I checked and the lien was removed. You know, did my tactics... Uh, you know, kind of intimidate her into doing that. I don't know, but the lien got removed. And uh, also I never heard from, you know, the Infernal Revenue Service ever again. So um, <laughs> one example of how an affidavit and, you know, how to enforce it. And now if you put a lien on somebody, there's a whole enforcement process, you know. So if I want to go after somebody and just say, look, you know, if you don't do the right thing here, I'm going to own your house and the, the purple and yellow skidoo in the garage and everything that goes with it. So, you know, that can be a little bit intimidating. And then you can put that in a record, uh, the, the clerk of records. There's a place to do that. You know, it varies from county to county, state to state, country to country. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, then that goes on the record and that can be very bothersome for people. I would caution anybody uh, about just putting liens on folks. Uh, you want to know what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going to get in a lot of hot water if you don't own the material. Is that okay? Yeah, exactly. If you don't own the material in, in what capacity? What? Uh... Well, you know, you have to do your homework. Mm -hmm. And just like we were discussing, we live in this informational age where we memorize, regurgitate with no thought process and just on blind faith, um, you know, for from people that we shouldn't believe in the first place because they have a, a very bad track record. Um, you know, we really need to go in and do our own homework. So in the early days, I did a lot of homework. Um, can you see uh, if I hold up some books or anything, can you see or is my camera too blurry? Let's give it a try. For instance, uh, you know, Uniform Commercial Code, can you see that? Yes, but unfortunately we can't read the words, but we'll take your word for okay. it. Okay, <laughs> so this is, this is their Bible for commerce. And if you don't understand 
the commercial world, then you are going to be victim of it. And, mm. you know, I don't know if you can see this, but I have many pages all tabbed. I've read the whole thing cover to cover, tabbed and memorized the pertinent spots. Wow. Um, you know, in today's informational, uh, you know, uh, realm of education, people don't want to do the work. We have kind of the, the socialistic welfare mentality where we just want to buy some paperwork. Um, you know, you want to get yourself a good legal dictionary. This is just mm -hmm. blacks. But then again, you can see uh, all the pages have been tabbed, uh, a lot of material memorized. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to step into this arena, you better be prepared to do it. Here's another uh, another edition of the commercial debtor creditor law. And again, you see the whole thing is tabbed and, and you know, quite well studied. And, and I'm not bragging here. I'm just saying, if you want to do this stuff, you got to do the work. Otherwise, you might want to do something else to prepare for what's coming, like just buying some beans and rice. Okay, so here's another one you might want to study, the Bible. And similarly, you know, you notice a lot of pages are tabbed in everything because this is the King James Version, which was specifically designed to be the blueprint for our present legal system. Mm -hmm. And King James, during his reign, he commissioned um, Francis Bacon, the only capable person in his court at the time, to rewrite the Bible so that it would give him more commercial clout and control over the subjects. Now, Francis uh, also put a code in it, which is what's become famously known as the Bible code. Um, but the fact is, is it was rewritten to be, you know, uh, the basis of our legal system to this day. So a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not into the Bible and everything. Well, that doesn't matter. That's still the blueprint for our entire system. So if you're not willing to do your homework and not just buy some paperwork online and fill in the blanks and pay somebody, you know, a thousand dollars or something, and you think all your problems are going to disappear, uh, don't even bother. That's the way I feel. Mm -hmm. Very wise. <clears throat> yeah, if you if you do anything in law without understanding it, it's pretty it's pretty uh, you know downright dangerous. Right. Let's not couch it like you said. You you still have friends in jail, even even people that you knew that lost their lives over it. And uh, you know, staying in honor is something that, if you can't do it at, at the emotional level, never mind. If what you you can learn at the at the mental level, but if you can't hold your shit together, then it's uh, it's not going to work for you. So uh, yeah, wow. I'm, I'm, you know, I know you're not doing this to to impress us, but I'm very impressed. Like absolutely impressed. You have a huge body of knowledge in so many ways, and I didn't, I didn't even realize how deep you were in with the law studies as well. And Super. don't uh, don't believe a word I say. Go study and figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. 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 Exactly. Yeah. It takes a lot of diligence. It's insane. It's it, it's it's. We're not used to the responsibility, but it's just because we've never had that, right? It's always been that um, we all we do, like you said before, we just regurgitate, we memorize, we count, and then we're good, and we can just kick back and you know mm -hmm. enjoy ourselves, have a nice life. But uh, yeah, the, the 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 actual responsibility that we have is is huge, and most people are terrified of it. It's called freedom, by the way. Mm-hmm. 
I could give you a lot of historical anecdotes, but uh, maybe one more that might be of interest because there's a little controversy around this gentleman, David Wynne Miller. Uh, you yes. know, I was working uh, within the uh, Hawaiian sovereignty movement, and I had an early mentor who's the guy that's still on the lam to this day, and he was counseling the Montana Freemen, trying to tell them, you're going down the wrong, you know, they're writing bonds and things. He knew they were going to get in hot water, and the feds were just laying for them, which is what happened. He didn't get to them in time, but anyway, they went after him, and, and he had to kind of disappear. So anyway, um, he introduced me to David Windmiller because he was uh, – frequenting Hawaii for a while, which is where I lived and, you know, where I had my practice for a long time. So uh, David was a, a brilliant man, an interesting character, and I learned a lot from him. I really did. Um, there's individuals now, I won't name any names, that claim to be um, students of his that are claiming certain status, um, you know, postmaster general, all that. I don't know. I don't know that guy personally. I don't know what his experience is. I would just say I've seen a lot of people come and go making such claims, so I'm a bit of a skeptic mm -hmm. when somebody says, I am so-and-so, or I have this, or I've done this, which makes me in charge of the money of the world now and everything else, you know, mm -hmm. and there's been quite a few of them. And, and again, maybe it's legit. I don't know. Uh, but one more book I'll just hold up here. This is uh, David Wynn Miller, and it's his, um, his quantum language. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's very, I think, valuable to understand the concepts. I would caution anybody of trying to learn that and then quantifying like a summons or something and then bringing it into court and having that be your defense because you'll probably get crucified. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's speculation as far as how much success um, David and some of his people actually, you know, had with the process. Uh, what I learned more from him was more um, the procedural aspects of law and what we found up to that time as a lot of our processes weren't working because we didn't understand procedure. We thought because we knew certain substance uh, that, you know, we're free and clear, we figured the game out, but uh, he was really helpful for me to say, no, it's all about procedure. And if you don't have the, the process correct in a certain format, then it's just going to get thrown out and they'll use that as a technicality to never hear you in the first place. So that was good. And the quantum language I like because I believe there's really a way to quantify language. And I think he came pretty close because if you go back to original Gematria and some of those um, methods that were used since the beginning of language, you know, um, the alphabet or language as we think of it really was a mathematical affair. And he had a way of taking out a lot of fiction from any kind of writing. First off, just like a lot of indigenous cultures, they realize as soon as you bring in past or future, you're in la-la land all over again. You know, there is only the present. That is all that's real. So a lot of the summons and things that we get from state actors are based on fiction of things that aren't even real and present. His quantification of language you know, took that into account, and I'd like to bring it forth just from that perspective. And I know this is another whole level beyond what a lot of the present 
paperwork processes go now, but it's the only place to go where we have to bring our consciousness into present time because that is the only place where we will be conscious, uh, you know, individualizations that can manifest in unlimited fashion with no restriction. As long as we're past future, we'll never be able to do that. And when you get into the waveform mechanics of that, that's very understandable. You can also explain why there appears to be timelines. And when you understand the mechanisms, then with that awareness, you can bring yourself to a level where there is no timeline. And you aren't just sitting there trying to meditate being in present time and, and you know, trying to prevent yourself from thinking of stuff. Uh, you actually have uh, an intellectual awareness that will then eventually filter down into your emotional body to the point where you own it. And then there's no question that uh, when events happen in your life, uh, you'll know exactly if you're in present time and therefore if you're in reality or fiction. And the whole legal system, uh, every institution that we're brought up with is to bring us into that fictional realm where we're everywhere but our present where we then become the creator, the co-creator, you know, the fulcrum, the stillness that can create and manipulate the polarities to create balance, beauty, and the vision of the world that we want to see. Amazing. That's beautiful. I love how everything weaves together. Of course, it weaves together because it is whole. <laughs> That's the nature of it, right? Like you said, even, even breaking out particles is is fictional and uh yeah it's it's quite an art to dance gracefully between those realities uh, that that aren't even there and still interface and still be in the world and still uh you know have to have to use that the babylon to you know and and i think i think that's that's the whole purpose of existence in the first place was was that the, the formless wanted to become and want is a weird word that's probably a, a wrong description but uh you know just want to know itself even even just out of the the playfulness of like i wonder how much i can you know create and expand and and uh and uh produce all this infinite variety of of life with so many different expressions just just food alone you know like looking at how every food plant is so different and even the same plant and the same seed and two plants act differently and there's some kind of mystery going on there i'm sure you've solved a lot of that but um it's uh yeah, that's a thing I think for anybody who had any resistance to looking into the law, that's the part that's been exciting for me to see that it's not separate. It's not a separate subject. And uh, I have I have regretted, you know, reading something until 430 in the morning and just going like, I didn't I didn't get anything, nothing. Literally, I'm not I'm not more enlightened. I'm not smarter. I don't know what to do. <laughs> These kind of things. So that's why I'm grateful for people like you who have spent so much time and trouble, trouble shot or, or, you know, seen what worked and what didn't and took the risks because that's it's, you, you have to be a serious risk taker to, to want to to get out there. Or you also have to be so much behind the eight ball by from some perpetrator that you're just not going to uh, lay down and, and die and take it anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, their fictional system could not exist without the original um, creative patterns in the first place, because that's all they do is take truth and invert it. 
and then they get our consent to go along with it. And that's, it's, it's that simple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people say, well, what do I do? Well, we can go in and you can read all these books I read and everything. I, at this point in my life, I'm kind of, I don't want to discourage anybody, but I'm inclined to say, don't waste your time because I think we're at a different phase of the game right now. And I question whether we have time for all this stuff. Um, I'm actually doing a couple processes myself, which I'd be happy to share with you. But, yes, of course. you know, I think that the time for that is kind of over. And the real name of the game is awareness, because if you have awareness, then they cannot trap you ever again. And that awareness brings you into a truth that is based on um, real substance. And, you know, uh, you know, what I've told people forever is, you know, substance trumps form. There's never one way to do things, you know, and sometimes you get into the different legal sovereign circles and there's a little bit of back and forth infighting about, well, this is correct. This is, you know, I don't think there's one way to do things. It's all about the substance that you carry within yourself. And I've seen people do some pretty lame stuff relative to process and have their way because they are so um, their inner game is, is so tight. You know, uh, a, a gentleman I really love these days is, uh, oh, what's his name? I think you've had him on, um, uh, Paul Unslaved. Uh, yes. We had him on our show. Yeah, he's yeah, not he's out awesome. there uh, that I know of doing all this paperwork. He just, he just lets him have it, you know, from the heart and verbalizes his truth and usually gets his way. So when you have that inner conviction and then if you learn a little fancy paperwork on the side, you know, you're going to do a lot better whether or not one school says you're doing it wrong or right or otherwise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's brilliant. Yeah. It, 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 I totally hear and appreciate what you're saying. And, uh, it, it's so difficult for people to, right now. It's because you don't know which direction that the law summit, right? So we interviewed 21 uh, people, 20, 20 of those interviews have been, have been uh, included so far. We should absolutely add you to the summit if you're willing to come on because of the depth of your knowledge I'm, I'm, uh, I'm seeing now. And after that many interviews, you think I would be so smart now and I would really know everything and I'd be clear. It's, it's actually the opposite. Literally, I've come out of it, uh, you know, going like, I don't know, I'm part confusion, but part the wisdom that you're talking about. Also, <clears throat> I think the most important thing that I picked up is not to look for a guru in law not to find someone to follow and do everything they say and go through their step-by-steps, even though I don't understand them, uh, you know, hoping that somebody has it handled and I just have to follow along. It's just not like that. Uh, we have a ton of controlled opposition in, in, the, in the law world too, that it, it coming every way sideways and in the telegram group and you can, you can see the signs of it. And, you know, I've been party to it at times too, because I, I go down that road and, and it seems all good. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, they haven't done anything that they're recommending other people do. Hmm. I wonder if that's a problem <laughs> like this. And so, you know, rather to approach every person, every book, every, everything, it's like, well, what can I pull that actually truly resonates with me and my life and my situation and my goals, which every person will be different, what you, what you want to accomplish. Some people are really about retrib retribution and uh, that's certainly not my thing, but if you're encroaching on me and my 
kid, for example, that that's where all of a sudden the mama bear is like, okay, I'm willing to do this, even though I, I kind of hate doing this. I would love your advice on this because, you know, I've, I've been in a process now and um, I can't say anything about it for, for five more minutes. We have to keep it uh, quiet, but I will be talking about it intensely as soon as we're not in that place anymore. But I went to it uh, very resentfully, like, you're, you're forcing me to do this? and uh it, you know waste my time i want to help people i don't want to i don't want to just you know, stave off perpetrators but at the same time you know there's some spiritual power that comes into it i i in, instinctively know that this is going to be a spiritual exercise primarily and then everything will follow from that higher energy so what would you have to say to anybody that's really reticent or downright resentful like me when it comes to studying the law <laughs> take it um, well it's totally totally understandable and you know one advantage i did have is i started back in the 70s and the more i learned i had time to accommodate emotionally all that i was learning which included all the emotions that you mentioned. And, you know, I spent uh, a lifetime in a combative sports, you know, in football and martial arts and full contact competitions. And so I was kind of that, you know, sort of that type of guy. And uh, I just wanted to fight everybody. I used to, you know, confront cops on the side of the road, very, in a very animated fashion. And uh, it's lucky I didn't get in more trouble. You know, these days I would have just been shot or tased or something, but back then you could actually get away with more. Um, but you know, what we're asking of people today is to go through that emotional accommodation literally overnight. Yeah. And um, you know, that's, that's tough. And it's sort of like trying to cram for an exam the night before the test. So um, I'm at a place right now just because of that history and be able to work out all my stuff and anger issues and everything uh, so I can perform like a true martial artist. Uh, if somebody is coming at you, you become an expert counterpuncher. You, you never draw first blood. You learn how to take their energy and just, you know, uh, give it back to them full circle. It's, it's a very easy technique when you get the hang of it. And it's all inner on the emotional level, uh, which means you have to pretty much detach of, you know, your, you know, the old things that used to trigger you. I mean, I still get triggered, but, you know, not like in the past. And so when, um, you know, in present time now, if they come at me with something, I'm not going to get angry. But with some of the stuff they're trying to pull right now, um, I've, I have my line in the sand. This, you know, I knew my entire life that this time would come right now. And I knew that someday I would be forced to choose the hill that I die on, so to speak. And this is the hill that I die on right now. It's happening in present time. So, uh, you know, nobody's bad. I don't mean anybody harm, but that's it. You know, it's it's over and they have marked us for elimination. That is unmistakable. We knew decades ago that this was coming. So it's no surprise to some of us. Mm -hmm. So the greatest act of violence, I always like to quote, you know, uh, Gandhi is to not defend yourself. And so we are into a corner right now where the mama bear has to come out. But if we do it 
in our full power and not out of our, you know, lower instinctual emotions, which are fear-based, uh, we are going to be successful. And in, in the process, we are also going to free them, you know, free the useful idiots that are carrying out all these things in the, under the auspices while I'm just doing my job kind of thing. Um, you know, because if it wasn't for them, the handful of true criminally insane predators that are at the top of the hierarchy, they would have no power. So the real problem is not Rothschild. It's not, you know, George Soros or, you know, and, and all the above. It's the person next door that puts on that uniform every day, goes to the county recorder office. Those are the people we need to reach. Now, a lot of those people are going to, you know, they are believers and they are in the greatest fear. So they require our empathy, you know, not sympathy. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it, they will probably even volunteer for certain medical practices that could very well take them out and um you know in certain spiritual teachings that have been around for centuries they always say this one comment over and over and over again which is for those who will be left so we are going to see a lot of people leave embodiment over the next months and couple years and that's just the way it is and that's not a tragedy what it is, is we now all have an opportunity to make a decision of lifetimes and to, you know, claim our divinity and not be trapped in this world of fiction any longer. Uh, sorry, just kind of going on here. But if no, you want to bring, bring it back to some kind of process or, or anything you want to talk, you know, you, you rein me back in here. No, that's absolutely beautifully said. We all need to hear this. And it reminds me also that, you know, we might be late to the game to read the whole UCC code or the entire King James uh, 1611 Bible that, that you know, it, even every single verse has been changed with, with the lettering alone just to spell you while you're reading it. Uh, you know, but we are not too late for the true redemption. Right. That's the message that you get all the time. Even even the worst criminal, even the worst perpetrator. That's the thing, like with with the, with the action that we're taking, the, the highest outcome is that is that and, 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 and we're building it in um, that 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 they will uh, see their wrongs, ask for forgiveness and stop. Just stop. Stop the, the harm. Right. That that's so. So. It's not about vengeance, you know, even that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I think that's a total psyop, right? Like, I just don't see that in God. I really don't. Although we had a storm last night, it made me wonder. <laughs> uh, I'd be curious what, what you think about that. This is maybe a little tangent. I hope you don't mind if we, we jump around like this. But, you know, it's been projected onto God as if they are a judge, Right? We have this judge archetype that sits on the high pedestal and looks down and weighs your soul. And do you, do you, is that, is that your, is the God that you know? Well, um, I'm a recovering Catholic. You know, I was brought up in a Latin Catholic family. 
and you know there, there's some cold history there it's it's not all bad uh it's pretty much sinister <laughs> to its core at this point and has been for a long time we even have a pope in our lineage so we kind of have that you know this whole italian thing that goes back centuries and everybody's real proud that oh pope so-and-so and everything um wow. you know so i'm very familiar with that but you know all things do eventually go back to rome you know all roads to lead to rome mm -hmm. and um of course the first thing they did was to select the scriptures that would be part of the Bible and purposely omit the ones that they couldn't alter or interpret to the point where they could get their way. So, you know, uh, of course, over the centuries, many scriptures have resurfaced, uh, you know, Gospel, St. Thomas, uh, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Gospel, the Essenes, you know, all great stuff. And, and now you get uh, a lot of... Um, scripture and a whole depiction of who the nazarene really was and what he was really saying and of course all of those um pearls were deliberately twisted to keep us in the mindset that we are bad we are sinners and at best all we can do is try to be good even though we'll never be able to and then and then maybe after two million years in purgatory you know, suffering immeasurable fires of purification, you know, then we might be able to go up in the clouds and sit with God. Um, now, they knew, of course, that that would have a shelf life, which is why they started developing the new religion on its heels, which is scientism. Mm. And so now we have a whole new, uh, you know, platoon of religious zealots that are saying trust the science you're a science denier i mean it is the inquisition all over again the exact playbook the exact mindset and then you have all these folks and i know some of them from colleagues from you know circles that i've studied in that stayed more conventional um that really um i mean they're so emotional they are the epitome of the opposite of, uh, you know, um, an impartial empiricist. It's not even funny, but they're all, you know, considering themselves scientists. So, yeah, the, the Vatican, you know, really, um, you know, did a good job in, in um, narrowing the understanding of what the scriptures were really telling us. And then, of course, you can also get into the scriptures and understand that it is an amazing treatise on astrotheology and that it's actually gets, uh, if you know how to read between the lines, you see it's an interpretation of the angles um, that create the geometry, that create the manifestation in our bodies and in our entire existence. And also in there, they give us an exact blueprint of certain substances uh, that we, you know, should be aware of in order to embody the perfect balance of those resonant fields 12 and all that will create perfection and clarity of thought and reunification like the old alchemists do which is what i do in my you know new lab i'm building out here is you're playing the quantification game a little bit and that you're recognizing that there are components because, you know, the original creative forces that come from our thought and the polarization, you know, out of one comes many, but it's an aberration. It's really not a, 
or an apparition, I should say, it's really not a reality. But then we take, you know, within the, the matrix here, those seemingly components, we isolate them, we purify them, raise them to their original stature from which they're uh, uh, originally intended, and reunify them into a whole, and then that's the, the final step in the ascension process. We do it with our medicines, we do it with all sorts of processes in the lab, but the early alchemists understood that it was really a blueprint uh, or a model for what they were doing in their own bodies, in their own consciousness, to you know, realize the reunification of their soul, uh, you know, with what we call in those terms the mercury, you know, the the life force that animates everything, and then you know, be free and clear of the game forever. So the Vatican has done a brilliant job from eliminating all that understanding and bringing us into an infantile, rudimentary, imbecilic level of uh, understanding and bastardizing everything that, uh, you know, the great ones told us in the first place. And there you go. Yeah. And it, it really does send you back to the ultimate child experience that is, is not all bad. If you go all the way back and not just get stuck in, in denial, because that's what happens, right? When, when you're, you're turned into an imbecile, basically, and then you're like, okay, I'll just watch Netflix. I'll just hide away, hide under the covers until it's over kind of thing and uh, but but if you go the whole distance through through the child archetype you get access to all of the wisdom of of nature of god it's it's direct communion no no middleman right and it doesn't matter if you can't reason and logic your way through it if you have that direct direct connection it is it is unquestionable it doesn't mean that you shouldn't develop your mind you should that is god created that as part of the whole uh, not by mistake, and, and that's New Age has done a, a really good job at uh, degrading the mind, right? Oh, your mind is the trouble. Well, how convenient. I'll leave my mind at the door and then you can do whatever you want because I won't be able to make sense head or tails of the whole thing. And uh, so I just keep coming back to this childlike, all I know is God, all I know is God, all I know is God. And, uh, and, and then the downloads, they come through and I can, all of a sudden there, there's awakenings and, and, and insights about things I, I couldn't have known. And, and very fine points and, and very fun points, right? Like it becomes an exciting exploration through, through uncharted territory. Even if people have already gone here, it, I haven't gone here. And it makes, it makes life more, it's like you're, you're aligning with that divine force. You're actually knowing yourself as creator rather than just the troubleshooter and the figure outer and if that's a word you know so it, it, it's to me there's there's a very enlightened way to be in that child archetype and of course there's a very <clears throat> you know asleep way to be in that child as well so i don't know if there's anything there you want to take off on yeah quite a bit you know of mm -hmm. course they've sold us safety um and uh taught us that taking risk is too scary and so in its place we um, succumb to a life of hypnotic monotony doing things we hate to do to earn a living we're the only creatures on this plane that think we need to earn a living it's it's incredible i mean if you just sit there and ponder any of what we think we're supposed to do in life it's 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 amazing 
Um, you know, you said another key thing is the middleman, which brings us back to the whole legal process. And in um, commercial law, they we are recognized as a transmitting utility. And what that is, is it's if we agree to take on the liability of this, you know, the surety ship that they created with that so-called straw man, you know, the, the debtor class, um, 14th Amendment citizen and so forth, um, you know, then they can use our life energy, which we then transmit through their artificial edifice, this all cap name, this corpse, you know, part of the death cult, a corporation in our name, a franchise of their, you know, of their larger corporation. And then we funnel all of our life energy productivity through that to them. And then we wonder why the, you know, the roads are falling apart and we're in perpetual war and, and uh, we can't figure out how to, uh, you know, get free energy, heal our bodies or any of the things that have been under our nose the whole time, just waiting for us to take them. So um, that brings us back to the legal process that years ago we were starting to discover, which is now, wait a minute. Um, you know, since that is your creation, it's your debt, um, what we're going to do is figure out how to rebut your presumptions that you have authority in the first place and then take hold of that artificial edifice, not that it's ours or we want to have anything to do with it, but use that edifice in order to um, tap into their equity system to settle the accounts that they are trying to stiff us with in the first place. So, so we don't need middlemen. There's, there's no middleman between God and ourselves. It, it doesn't exist. They created that out of thin air. We've gone for it. We've consented. So now we have to undo it. It's incumbent to us whether or not we have time for paperwork at this time. You know, that's anybody's guess. But I think if nothing else, what you've done and, you know, uh, creating a platform for all these, you know, really knowledgeable people to come together is to get the concepts across. Because whether people do the process or not, that's immaterial. It's about getting the concepts. And, you know, in the old underground spiritual schools, when your light was, uh, you know, expanded to a certain level, you were invited into these schools for further learning and one of the first requirements was that you had to learn law finance and government um and, and medicine i mean to say um because they understood that if you didn't understand the uh ways of the outer world then you would be vulnerable to them and you'd find yourself in the exact position uh, where we find ourselves today and it would then be impossible to jump beyond that uh, and complete our real mission in life which is to realize ourselves as unlimited spiritual beings 
Mm. Boom. <laughs> so good. So good. And that's, that's my sense as well, is that if you can at least get the knowledge of who you are, right? So they can't convince you. And, and even when you studied it, you know, like I, I was uh, going to stores and I was trying to train myself to rather say, rather than say, I have an exemption, which actually puts me in their jurisdiction. Uh, I would say I am exempt. First, I am and then use the word exempt so that they recognize something in their own vocabulary that will, you know, make sense or whatever. And, uh, and it took me a number of tries. I went to say I am, I would be like rehearsing on the way to the store to say it. And then I'd get to the store and I'd go and say, and I have, I have an exemption. It's like, oh my God, I did it again. Literally rehearsing. I finally got it. Now, now it's I am exempt. And then the people are, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> carries a little more power and, and, and the energy because if you just have if you just have the right thing, there's no right thing, it seems like in law, like the right paperwork, the right words, the right this and the right that. If it doesn't come accompanied with energy, then you don't have anything. Right? You don't have true authority. And I am, of course, is the ultimate resonance of the um the age-old intonation of Om, which is the, the resonance of the Godhead. I am is the English interpretation of that. And left unqualified, you are now in the realm of unlimited, unqualified power with no earthly authority over you. So whatever follows those two simple words will then be true. So I am exempt is perfect. That's all you need to know, which uh, might, I'll, I'll just mention this. It's, it's a lengthy process that I'm just going through. You know, I've changed my status at different points, you know, in the past, uh, you know, in different ways, actually, um, relative to what I understood at the time. And I think a status correction is kind of a good thing, whether or not anybody out there recognizes it or takes it seriously. It's a good way to formalize your intent, and then just to also formalize noticing the would-be usurpers. And um, I'm working with some other folks now that I've worked with for many years. And we're now, um, I'm following their lead on this, uh, creating a different kind of change of status. And it goes back to, um, you have to understand a little bit about the War Powers Act in Congress and so forth. And and you know, and how it is uh, universally across the globe. You know, we are in a constant state of war that that's been formalized, and that's another whole level of documentation anybody can get into. So we are at formal war perpetually. Now, uh, according to the law of nations, um, you know, what was that, about 1600s or so, that became the basis of um, international agreements where countries decided that, well, we still have, even though we're at war, we have to have a way to communicate because, of course, the same people that were creating both sides of every war, you know, were the beneficiaries of that. And, uh, but they had to have certain embassies or ambassadors from every country so that they could talk and do their little business deals behind the scenes. So the ambassador class was born in order under the auspices to create you know, peaceful resolution. Now, under the war uh, powers and the, and the, um, uh, the, the law of nations, we can actually 
um, assign ourselves as ambassadors of peace. So uh, my new documentation that I'm preparing and getting ready to uh, notarize and everything starts out with I am that I am. And then it goes into uh, many um, listings of scripture and uh, also the um, law of nations and, and, and many documents that validate that this is what nations internationally have agreed to abide by. And one of the most egregious things historically that anybody could ever do is to harm an ambassador from another country. And, uh, you know, that was just verbatim a no-no. So um, this new change of status is all about becoming an ambassador of peace under international law. And then it goes on from there, you know, gets into a lot more detail as far as the paperwork. But I just, I just like that, um, you know, not just like in the States here, we would, you know, change our status perhaps back to a state citizen rather than a 14th Amendment citizen and therefore, you know, be designated an American national. And there's all sorts of debate on ways to go about that or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. But I'd like, I think it's just sort of a nice thing to bring it to the next level of the I am. So some of us are doing our change of status um, within that understanding. Mm -hmm. How beautiful. I love it. Hey, we just hit 100 uh, people on the live. I just want to acknowledge that. Thank you so much, you guys, for being here. It's been amazing. This conversation is riveting. I'm going to be high for a long time after this one, too. And uh, one of the things that we promised to talk about was uh, the land. And I know that you know you have your hands in the land every single day, and you understand the terrain of you know the, the body is essentially the land, right? When when they were, we're talking about how it's been converted into property in the legal level, right? Our bodies are our property, our children are our properties, uh, our property, and and then of course the land is is the most classic what what we know to be property. So I'd love you to jump in and start enlightening us about you know where we knew it went wrong because we're pay basically paying rent on our own land if you own it. I resisted. I, I owned a house and then when I got sick with cancer, I ended up just selling it to pay debts and I, I let go of it very quickly because it was a, a huge burden on me actually. It was a massive burden and my, my parents were like, don't do that. You're going to regret it. And I regretted it when the, the property uh, like tripled in value or something over the next 20 years. Uh, and and still there there's been times where it's like well I need land I need land and I'm I'm going but but it's it's slavery I, I'm I'm not going to own anything I'm going to be I'm going to have a, a, like a death contract the the mortgage uh, hanging over my head and you know so it, I've always been in this resistance place and I'm just so curious to hear everything that you have to say about that because I know you've been down this this path very deeply. Yeah, we're doing uh, part three with Ron Gibson uh, very shortly here. We had him, I, I did a little introduction with Mike, and then we brought Ron on, and now we're going to bring Ron back again. Also, I want to bring on a couple other people. Uh, one person in particular that you had on your show, Alphonse, I just actually emailed him last mm. night and invited him on because I know he has oh, a different good. take on whether or not the land patent process is legitimate. And you know what we are about on our platforms, I don't have any dog in any fight and nothing to defend as which I told him. And I said, um, 
know, I really want to learn and we want to give as much truth or information out to our audience so that they can make up their own minds. And I'm pretty clear about what I want to do and I have my own reasons to do that. It may not be technically correct in some little idiosyncrasies according to some people, but um, I'm just describing the route I'm taking and it works for me. That's all I can say. Perfect. So the land patent process, of course, is not creating a patent. It's not creating a darn thing. All you're doing is researching the original patent on the land that was created through uh, existing treaties, you know, for in, in every country without exception. And then, uh, you know, uh, by way of your warranty deed, if you have a piece of property, whether you own mortgage on it or not, doesn't matter because mortgages have to do with equity and not with property ownership. And even with a mortgage, you can have a land patent. And, um, you know, even though the bank might have equitable interest on what's on top of the land, they still can't come remove it if you have true title to the land. Now that brings me into a little conundrum that I have personally, because I don't believe in owning a darn thing. And, um, you know, here we are, we're in the world of fiction again. I don't want to say forced, but kind of forced to do all this stupid paperwork just to justify that I'm in a particular coordinate on this plane um, being steward and trying to responsibly use a piece of land, you know, for the welfare of myself and people around me. We're doing a lot of special things here. And, uh, you know, why should I even have to justify in the first place? But here we are because they have badges and guns, right? So the land patent process is, um, you know, about getting true title. So the, it's interesting and people should know that the Revolutionary War in America in, in the U.S., because you're in America, my friends in Mexico, South America, I have South American relatives, they're in America, you know, it's the three Americas, so I don't want to arrogantly say we're the Americans. Um, <laughs> but here in the U.S., um, um, you know, of course, just like anywhere else, they've created these, um, these edifices that then put them in the place of middlemen. And so what we want to do is go back to true title and get rid of, this is what I believe I need to do, um, the, the deeds that have to do with equity and have nothing to do with ownership. So the land patent process, and this is just the cliff notes, and we're probably going to do four or five episodes on this, is all about um, you know getting your meets and bounds of your land, doing surveys, doing everything you need to prove that you, know, you are the deed deeded owner of you know this particular parcel and then bringing it to the blm or wherever in your country you know handles those kinds of records and then um, having them formally recognize that as okay that is you know where you are deeded and then bringing yourself as a signee by way of that deed or you could be an heir either one and that is forever, according to their original treaties, bringing it forward so that now, you know, you can do a quit claim and then just stand on the regular land patent, which is gives you a loyal title, um, you know, and true title. 
I don't see of any drawback to that. Now, Ron has a tremendous amount of experience in this that I don't have. I'm just doing my own process, even though I've studied it for a long time. And he's had, um, he's defended these regularly. He's in the mining industry, so he knows what he's talking about. And in the mining industry, uh, railroads, you know, they all have land patents and it works. And it also gives you the rights to the, you know, the water, to the minerals and everything, you know, in the land itself. And then, um, you know, once you've successfully accomplished that, uh, just like uh, taking your, car out of the registration process with the state or the county um, now you know you go back to the original manufacturer statement of origin that you know no you're the owner you didn't you know um, decide to give partial ownership over to a state actor and then allow them to be the the trustee that makes all the rules you know because it all goes back to that trust arrangement once again and uh, the same thing with the land and now um, you are having real standing on the land. And in the US, you know, this was intended to be an electoral process of represent representative government uh, where landowners, you know, had a say in what's going on. So in order to bring us into admiral admiralty law, you know, which is commerce at the sea, they had to remove us from our land and it was very important that they took proper title from us so that we can't even you know have ownership in the first place which just happens to be the first plank of the communist manifesto so um land patents are all important i believe it should be the foundation of every other process uh, you know, if we want to have change of status or any of these other things, I'd consider all of them downstream. Now, a lot of people, of course, are going to say, well, I can't afford to buy anything. Well, the reason why that is, is because first we gave up the land, even though we fought a revolutionary war, you know, for land ownership so that we wouldn't be brought into a neo-feudal system, which is where we are now. It had nothing that, well, it had a little bit to do with taxes, but it was mostly over land ownership. So once all the land, the property was confiscated, which it has been now with the ex very few exceptions, you know, people that actually own patents, um, you know, that gives them even, uh, you know, more firm jurist, uh, you know, just allows them to bring us more into the pure admiralty jurisdiction. And it's all about jurisdiction because we don't have a place to stand anymore. Now, the detractors literally. of this, and uh, sorry, go ahead, you go ahead and comment. Just literally, sorry to sorry to uh, dive yeah. in there, but you know, it's it's taking the land out from underneath our feet. And, but that's the fiction of it, right? Because like, here I am, I'm standing on the earth. This, this, there's no, there's no debate. There's no middleman, <laughs> but you go ahead. Yeah. And, and, and it's important also to make the distinction that you don't reside on that either. You know, that's that's another game they play. You know, if somebody asks me, you know, where do you live? I say here, you know, I don't care if I'm in my car or being assaulted by a cop, you know, on the side of this on the sidewalk or something. No, I live here. I'm in my skin. This is this is my vehicle for my consciousness. I don't reside on a piece of land in a house at an address. These are all the fictions that they use to bring us into their jurisdiction. And that's all we're doing right now is we're playing a game of gotcha. And they have all these mechanisms and devices, 
you know, to just entrap us back into their jurisdiction. So uh, back to land patents, I, I really think it should be the basis of everything. And if we regained our standing on the land, uh, then we would also be able to have a sound money system, not held enslaved to a species of fiat money, which would then also allow more people to have a place to call home, you know, that nobody can challenge, uh, that would be affordable. And we also would not have all these vast tracts of land used for toxic factory farming owned by the same corporations and Billy Gates and all these little creepies. And we would also not have all the box stores. You'd have, you know, nice authentic town centers with mom and pops that are fun to go to. Every, every, every one is original. So it's always fun to visit other towns and see what's going on rather than just seeing this monotonous, predictable thing everywhere you go. And there would be enough affordable land for people to responsibly steward a place where they can thrive with themselves and their loved ones. So land patents, I believe, are very important. Now, one quick comment. I could, you know, acknowledge some of the detractors that say, well, the land patents are all traced back to the same creatures, you know, and it all goes back to Rome again. And therefore, you're just trying to beg for, you know, uh, rights and privileges once again. Well, now this gets in the, the realm of practicality. I believe there's a lot of truth to that. However, functionally, and Ron Gibson will give you a lot of, uh, you know, firsthand experience along that line, is when you can at least get rid of the you know, middleman usurpers that are trying to get their little cut in between by way of warranty deeds and such. Um, you know, it's a great step in the right direction and it gets rid of a lot of interference in your life. Is it a perfect system, uh, you know, that we're going back to those land patents? Well, no, I wish it was just, you know, a planet of enlightened people that could all get along and not bother each other. Uh, but, you know, in the meantime, we've got to do what we've got to do. So I think land patents still have efficacy. I've seen them work myself. Uh, I've got a neighbor down the road, uh, two lawyer brothers that live together. And, uh, you know, they've got a loyal title on their land. They've got it posted. It is recognized. I've, I've seen that proven, you know, to myself. And then, um, you know, uh, the other gentleman that we talked about that I want to get on our show, just because I really respect his work, uh, you know, in the first place, not just with land patents. Uh, I believe he has some other processes that I haven't looked in deep enough as far as how he goes about it. But I understand the gist of it. And that is, you know, processes to prove that you don't owe property tax and so forth in the first place. And, and then I think he has some other little, you know, fine points as far as why he might not agree with the land patent process. And I want to learn more from him as well. Is that Alphonse or, or, or another one of the? Yeah. That yeah. Alphonse, and yeah, I don't yeah. know him. I just uh, emailed him and I hope he comes on our um, our broadcast, not just for land patents, but I respect other things that he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's such a rock star. He, he keeps really coming yeah. forward and seeing through mm -hmm. the stuff. It's the test of time when you see somebody, 
you know, they're, they're carrying a message and, and they don't waver. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just have a ton of respect for him. If you have any trouble reaching him, then, uh, let me know. I can oh, certainly thank you. help you. I yeah. Appreciate no, that. no problem whatsoever. Oh. Or any of those guys. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's very deep. And, uh, I will definitely share links to your, your first two interviews, knowing that there's going to be more mm -hmm. coming, but, uh, you did a, a very educational, historical, you know, very thorough background on, on land law in the U S I am curious, uh, about how it translates, of course, I know you get asked this all the time, how does it translate internationally? And, uh, and I heard Ron say that in Canada, we have like crown patents. Do you think, do you know anything about it? Is it, is it different here? Since we're, we, we like, we I, have a constitution, we're not a country. Yeah. I have information, you know, about that and, and, and exactly what you just said. And, uh, you know, I, I trust Ron because he's a real scholar and has put everything to practice. Um, so if he says, yeah, they have crown patents, I've heard that in other places too. And, you know, we have a worldwide feudal system based on the same principles with the same uh, royal bloodlines at the helm that have orchestrated this for centuries in conjunction with the, um, their three municipalities, we'll call them, I don't know if that would be the right term, uh, you know, which is the where the acronym law comes from. And that is, uh, you know, their control of the land through the military might that they, they built through the Washington DC, uh, you know, and, and then through admiralty, the A in law, which is the um, commerce at sea, which is the city of London. And then of course, uh, over the water, uh, I meant, uh, uh, Air, uh, a, I meant uh, air, which is the spiritual, the Vatican, and then the, the W, which is the water, which is the admiralty of, the, of the, the British crown, which goes back to the city of London and their control of the whole financial system and commerce. So, um, so where was I going with that? Um, it's, it's a matter of understanding those forces at play. This is an old playbook um, you know, with these royal bloodlines. And so now it's a matter of, you know, taking it back to ourselves, which is what this country, our country that I live in, uh, you know, is founded upon, which is true ownership of property uh, with no need to um, pledge fealty to the Lord and in turn for rights and privileges. So land patent, the whole process, in my mind, is about undoing that, which was undone, you know, uh, with the original 13 colonies, um, you know, as they put the land in the trust. And, uh, you know, then uh, the federal government was then, uh, you know, dictated to in this trust to then disseminate it to the people that needed that land for their own purposes. And then the, the Western states and, and the states that came in afterwards, they were very reluctant to enter into that trust agreement um, with the federal government for good reason. They didn't trust them one bit. And uh, so finally they kind of relented and they said, okay, uh, we'll do this, but um, you know, here's what you have to do. So within that trust, uh, you know, as the grantor position, they, um, you know, dictated the terms of the trust. And then of course the federal government has gotten around those dictates 
by way of these convolutions and and um, franchises and and everything else that we're talking about. Wow, amazing. Yeah, it's all, it's also inside out. I, even hearing you say the word trust a number of times, I love what you said. The original trust is the trinity, and and the pendulum that that uh, swings to create the two points. It's amazing. And then the word trust. It, you know, can you think of anything that's been more uh, abused or inverted than that word? Right, what it actually means. And we're taught to trust science and and trust this authority and trust that book and all all of that kind of thing. And of course, you never are going to trust yourself. You're only going to doubt and question yourself. And it's not even really about trusting yourself. It's about trusting your guidance, trusting trusting Creator that that gave life and breathes life into us in the in the first place. I don't know where you're at with that. And then and then you know trust in law, it it doesn't um, it, it it's just completely taking it out of context. So have you ever reflected on this? Quite a bit. That. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. So you know. I think at the beginning of our conversation, we we're talking about a sacred trust, you know, when we're referring to the original trust, which is mm -hmm. the creator and us as individualizations. And in that trust, there are agreements, uh, all to benefit us. And we have broken that trust by entering into inverted trust and pledging authority to other entities, you know, outside, you know, um, what do they call that in the old days, uh, worshiping false idols and everything else. It's, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have broken the trust and that's mm -hmm. not something to be taken lightly because there's consequences, which is the reason why most of us have to do a few hundred or a few thousand go arounds on the wheel of life to just try to get it right, you know, and mm -hmm. just to come back in alignment with that sacred trust. And the sacred trust, the original, is very simple. It's that we can do whatever we want as long as we follow natural law and do not inflict our will on other intelligent entities. Pretty and basic. that's all we see going on. And then, of course, the gatekeepers are the ones that carry out those orders and they're trying to inflict their will and someone else's will on us everywhere we step these days. And a lot of us are over it. This is the time again of the exodus. And again, it's not anything to be angry about, but man, we mean business. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to settle for anything less. And... Um, you know, it's not, there's there's a lot of things in politics. Oh, well, you know, this guy's going to be more of a nationalistic uh, president and, you know, uh, reduce unemployment and, and, you know, not just inflict so many egregious acts against you. It's like, no, I don't want to live in a benevolent, feudalistic system. We need our original constitutional republic back with no restrictions, no limitations, no caveats, nothing else will do. And everything they're doing, I am and I demand to make it so. Because that is a sacred pact that we made with our creator before we embodied and we need to live up to it once and for all because the earth itself 
is going through a larger, grander cycle of consciousness shift. And what it's really about is those of us that want to be on board and be part of it, great. Those that aren't ready, you know, nobody's bad. Uh, you do what you got to do, but you won't be here anymore. This will not be allowed in this realm anymore. And the proof is, is if you go back to the original electronics, you know, if we want to default to physics, but you know, which I'd like to do, because it's really cut and dry at that level, is the universe creates in a two-way fashion. And in both directions, it gives. And if you understand those electronic forces as they give, give in both directions, constantly, simultaneously, to create the next movie frame of our experience, that is what perpetuates life, free energy, health in our bodies, and is sustainable. It does not allow any external force to keep it going. When we instead use that trust mechanism so that one side of the trust or one of the triangles is taking energy from others and disobeying that give-give mechanism, then that will necessarily have to crumble in on itself because it is taking itself out of the renewal loop, which we can explain very graphically, you know, with the, the electronic illustration. And um, that's why I would say to people, take heart. Uh, the plans of the predator class were designed to fail from the start because they have to. They are unsustainable. And what we're seeing now is not them gaining more power. We are seeing them lose power. And they are in desperation mode. But there's a little bit of risk involved right now because it also necessitates us making a choice. And if we don't do that, we could very well go down with the ship. So we want to give them a wide berth, let them, you know, hang themselves. That's exactly what they're doing right now. And, um, you know, going back to paperwork, again, it goes back to substance over form. And what would work brilliantly better than all the paperwork in the world is for everybody to withdraw their participation or even just a substantial uh, you know, percentage of humanity withdrawing their participation. Because the only way the predator class can exist, just like any parasite, is they need a host. If we do not give them our energy, they cannot possibly survive. We have all the power, and we don't need pieces of paper in order to exercise that power. Just don't give them any more energy. Do not obey. Above all things, do not obey, because that's the way they take from us. Hmm. Amen to that. Wow, so much in there, so much wisdom. I knew this was going to be a, a major transition, uh, transmission. It could be transition too. <laughs> Don't know where it's headed, um, but uh, but but we're but we're going, and this is uh, this is exactly the mindset that is 
that is required uh, to to pull out. And you know, I feel fortunate in the sense I've I've got that same blood as you. My great grandfather was arrested in 1911 for antagonizing the government, right? Antagonizing. So you know, he he didn't just sit back. He he wanted to poke the bear. He wanted to see, okay, you know, where are we going? And at the same time, like having that kind of bravery, and at the same time, as just having nothing to do with them. And that's often what I hear in my head now. It's like this has nothing to do with me. It just doesn't. I know. I'm not connected to that. It has no authority over me. I'm not scared of it. I have no relationship with it whatsoever. It is fictional. And it doesn't mean someone can't like shame me and make me feel bad and take me to jail and make trouble for me. And I know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making trouble for myself this way. I'm, I'm getting called out. I'm getting rejected by important people that were important to me, very close. And the Bible predicts all of this, right? That it's, it, your, your families are going to be split apart and you're going to have to make uh, very difficult decisions, especially those of us with children. It's intense. But, uh, you know, that, that it, it's freedom or bust at some point. There was a decision. Yeah. There was a contract. We do have to fulfill on, on this obligation. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing I like about paperwork, I, and I think uh, one thing that might be necessary, is we all have to make our uh, declaration of self-determination. That's what the Declaration of Independence in the U.S. was all about. And if you read the, the, the preamble to that, um, you know, which is the, the grievances against King George, um, you might as well be reading the newspaper headlines for today. It's exactly, you know, what we're going through today. And I think there is something possibly to formalizing our right for self-determination, making our own declaration of independence. And I think what possibly a lot of U.S. citizens are ignorant of is that we are not grandfathered in to that original Declaration of Independence. That was the people that signed that, you know, made that possible for their heirs and assignees. But we don't all just get a free ride. We have to do what they did. And they took many risks in the process. And you probably read the history of what happened to a lot of those people that signed that. And in fact, they didn't want to sign it, a lot of them. And this is uh, actually documented in the Library of Congress that at that time, they had a closed door session and a mysterious stranger appeared out of thin air. Now, a lot of people that don't believe in these sorts of things or ascended masters and you know, members of humanity that actually raised their consciousness to the point where they were no longer um, dictated to by the terms of the matrix, um, you know, and could come and go at will and tens of thousands of people have gone through that process. Some people have come and done it publicly in order to keep that residence alive. Um, one of those individuals appeared in Congress or in that meeting again it's documented it's not something that somebody made up in a new age book and he said so many words that gave them the courage to take those risks and to sign that document as an example for what each and every one of us need to do whether we live in canada the us and austria it's all the same we have to declare our right to self-determination which is our divine birthright with no earthly authority that can say nay. Brilliant, that's amazing. 
So much wisdom here. What's your time like there? I don't want to uh, keep you, but I was just thinking if anybody in the in the chat has a question that's burning at this stage, if they could ask it. Do you have, do you have another five or ten minutes? Well, the longer I stay with you, the uh, longer I get to avoid um, uh, filling up a dump truck with a lot of trash from the uh, building project we're doing right now. So I'll stay as long as you want. <laughs> Excellent. Good. That's so good. So anything in the, I know uh, Tanya, Tanya Marie, you, you, you've been here. She's extremely knowledgeable. She took it on like you did and just like read everything up, upside down. And I'm curious if there's uh, any questions here. We say um, Austria, that's not really a question. So Katressa, uh, but thank you for that. Austria is not, not a question. Uh, would you want to be standing in the sun with your body armor doing heavy duty weapons, doing traffic stops in the Mexican, Mexican sun? Okay, they're not talking about what we're talking about. So uh, we'll have, <laughs> that's okay. Sometimes the, the chat has a life of its own. I'm so sorry I haven't really been paying attention, but there's just so much I, I, I needed to fully hear. So I've been completely uh, ignoring this. Um, I, I, one question but while we're waiting to see if there's something from the chat. Oh, oh um, th there's one here. Are you a citizen? Can you be a non-citizen and, uh, and do this? From Stuart. I uh, believe the answer to that is yes and no, depending on what kind of stance you want to take. Again, it goes back to my belief system, which is there's no right or wrong way to do things. There's not uh, only one way to do things. And some people like to remove themselves uh, you know, from that status completely, uh, live without all the licenses, permits, and so forth. And that's you know, if you're set up to do that, I think that's a great thing to do. On the other hand, if you want to instead interface with the system and use their own equity system to settle their accounts so that you are not, um, you know, in the way of their liabilities that they're trying to assign to you or, or especially be penalized for that, there's processes that will allow you to drive around with a license and, and you know, you know, enjoy the benefits of both worlds. So it's, I would say to anybody, you know, what do you want to do? What resonates with you? And then do your homework either way. Mm -hmm. And what's your preference, Bear? Would you like to exist in, in, in both camps, be able to move freely in commerce and have your freedoms at the same time? Yeah, I don't want to give away too, uh, too many proprietary secrets for those that might be listening. But um, yes, I point. do not, um, I do not exist um, within that system. Mm. Um, on the other hand, I have mechanisms that allow me to interface and, you know, and do business, do commerce, but not take on any of the liabilities. And it requires a complexing of uh, certain types of structures and private membership associations, revocable trust, um, LLCs that perhaps will allow you to get the number of the beast, but then uh, properly use, not take on the liability for it, and especially not in your name. So there, there's many ways to go about that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're playing the game. And we're not just talking about a, um, you know, a shell game to dodge taxes or anything. No, we're doing it the way the big boys do it. Right. And then also, right. um, you know, have standing on the land at the same time, which mm -hmm. then becomes part of a revocable trust. And a revocable trust, of course, means if you are the grantor, 
then you make the rules of the game and you can change the rules of the game whenever you want. And then your heirs and assignees afterwards, um, you know, you make sure that you assign people in the proper, you know, people that you trust and that you want as beneficiaries down the road to be beneficiaries and trustees so that they, you know, uh, just naturally step into that position, you know, when you're done and uh, not, you know, and be able to enjoy the same thing. So, uh, yeah, a lot of, you know, very intelligent ways to go about it. And I don't want to, I live out in the woods, you know, when, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, by myself out here, I really don't enjoy going out in town and doing that sort of thing that much anymore. So, um, but at the same time, I still love talking to you and, and doing business in the outer world and, and mm-hmm. being, uh, you know, proactive, being a creator. So, uh, these vehicles allow me to do that and, you know, have a good time. Exactly. Yeah, so much good can be done in the world, right? Like the same way that, that they can mm-hmm. invert all of our creations, we can invert and, and make right and make good on their their uh, aberrations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So here's a question to bear uh, is, um, it, do you have the right to travel? And if so, do you use your own plate? I guess he's talking about road travel. And I'd be curious about how you would how you travel internationally as well, as well if that's possible. You know, I used to travel a lot. And I know we're talking about, you know, driver versus traveling, probably according to mm-hmm. DMV. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as international travel, I used to do quite a bit. Uh, I used to fly all over the world and I was on a board of an international bank and did all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, back then it was private jets and everything, but it was great. And, and I even took commercial airlines and there was no problem. But as soon as they started saying, take your shoes off and all that kind of nonsense, I stopped traveling on airplanes, we'll say. Mm-hmm. I just, I refused to demean myself. I'm not going to do it. Wow. You know, I'm not going to be your slave. Okay. So, um, I elect to have certain pieces of paper uh, that we would call a driver's license um, because it's convenient. That's just the way I do it. But I have also taken measures to uh, create a clear line of demarcation between anybody confusing that is me or me being the owner of that piece of paper. It's not mine. It belongs to the state. And there's... uh, certain ways where you can um, register that name that we should have registered at birth that would then give us the right to represent that name as attorney in fact in any court of law in the land or in any you know formal process but people have failed to do that and uh, therefore when you go in there you're guilty you know from the start because you're using copyrighted material that's not yours and you're also um, you know defrauding the court because you're saying that you are that thing that you're not so there's uh, ways to you know represent that without taking on the liability without creating fraud and without creating any confusion in the mind of the magistrate that's going to jump to another presumption very good answer that's awesome uh stewart uh asked as well should a parent register their child at birth benefits versus drawbacks what would you tell a couple that were uh, birthing a baby at this stage of the game uh, you know um if i was having a baby right now i delivered my kids at home 
and I'm in my bedroom. I did it myself, um, which was great. Uh, later on, they did get numbers in order to interface. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was starting it all over, um, no, I wouldn't interface one iota with any of the system because it's going down very soon anyway. So why right. even bother? Right. By the time that individual is 18 years old, it, long before that, it's game over. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, don't don't even take on that resonance in the first place if you don't have to. I mean, what's yeah. the point? Why would you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I recently played at a wedding, and uh, so I went running up. I couldn't I couldn't stop myself. I went running up to the the minister that married them after, and I said, "Are it, it looks like they're going ahead with a license, a marriage license." And uh, would you let me talk to them first before you submit that paperwork that they just signed? And so what's your, and I keep meaning to ask around about this, but what's your opinion about a, a marriage license? It seems kind of obvious to me you wouldn't want to go down that line, that, that road, or, or do you disagree? Well, it's another way of collateralizing your property, all the products of the marriage, including your children, to the state. It's bad right. enough that we sell them into bondage with the birth certificate as opposed to the certificate of live birth. But then, you know, even before we have our kids, you know, we say, okay, everything that comes with this marriage, which has nothing to do with the union of, a, of two people, um, you know, now you're talking about uh, two artificial entities, <laughs> two names somehow marrying each other and then you know now a product of that marriage that that litigious marriage is um is another piece of paper in the name of who you think your baby is and and now they own that and you know and and of course the, the whole game they're playing is they need a lot of sureties to cover the debt that they keep creating and of course the debt that they're creating right now is so off the hook which is why we need a fictitious microbe because that is running cover for what would right now be blatant hyperinflation that would expose them as being culpable for looting the entire world in the first place. That's why they have Antifa and BLM and everybody out destroying city centers because that in turn drives those property values down. And while they're printing themselves trillions of dollars, then they buy up that property now that nobody wants anymore. And the whole game is they want to be the buyers and lenders of last resort and own everything. And of course, all they own are pieces of paper, which brings us back to titles versus deeds, and which is the exact reason why they will fail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, great answer. That's awesome. Uh, somebody else asked, I don't know if I can find the comment, but if we could create a Music in Sky event here in Canada. And I did just learn that it's le- it's now legal for the Americans to cross the Canadian border. We still cannot cross the American border. It's so funny, like they're willing to flood because, you know, exponentially greater amounts of population over in, in the U.S. <clears throat> so it's it doesn't make any sense as usual. But uh, yeah, Music in Sky Canada. What do you think? What do you think, Bear? 
That would be fun. I'd love to go to that one. You know, yeah. I, there's been two of them and I haven't been to one yet because I've got the farm to look after and I can't leave. But I'd love to do that. I have so many Canadian friends. Uh, you know, in my college years, I used to spend a lot of time in Canada. I love Canada. Uh, you know, we're just uh, across the border from Alberta on this side of the continent. And uh, just so many beautiful areas, just fantastic people. And I think I see the worm turning in Canada, too. I, I think people are, uh, you know, just like the U.S. Um, well, <laughs> I, I think Europe uh, is perhaps getting a little obstinate first. And, you know, historically, when the French Revolution happened, that was kind of the precursor of, you know, just creating that whole backlash that happened in the U.S., too. So I... I, I believe the same patterns are going to happen. You see them really kicking up a storm over there. I think the U.S. is going to, you know, follow suit. And uh, and I see, you know, when I think of Canada, Mexico, I think of the three Americas. And, uh, you know, if I had my druthers, I think Mexico is an amazing place. If there wasn't these artificial borders, you probably have more people flooding, you know, south rather than north. And the exactly. only reason why we have borders, of course, is to control commerce and to create conflict and, and so forth. But uh, there will come a time where we don't need borders and people will just naturally gravitate to where they're supposed to be. And in the original design, the three Americas, you know, the new world, this was a very special place. And it's a special place on a level of resonance also, you know, especially North America. You know, it's called the it's been considered the I am nation for centuries. And, and if you understand what the word America means in the first place, this is where, um, you know, and I know I'll step on a lot of toes here, but it's where life first as far relative to humanity first manifested on this plane. And, um, you know, so the North American continent has a very important destiny that is now completing a full circle which is, you know, not in a patriotic political sense, but in a real spiritual sense, why, you know, this part of the world has become central to so many things and why where we go, the rest of the world will, you know, be affected greatly. So um, uh, anyway, just, just sort of a, a rant on that, but I, I look mm -hmm. forward to the day where we don't need these borders and, uh, North Americans, Canadians, Americans, uh, South Americans, you know, we're all Americans. And, um, you know, it's time for us to not allow our chains to be pulled anymore and to be uh, weaponized against each other because we're all in this together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's been actually highly weaponized against us. Now you can see people falling for the narrative. <clears throat> Imagine there's no countries, you know, and, and that's, it, I agree oh, with you 100%, yeah. right? But but now there, it's, this is the globalist movement. Imagine there's, you know, one ruler and they, they tell everybody what to do. So total, total aberration yeah. of uh Yeah, and, and as long as, as long as the predators are indoctrinating certain groups of people to flood our borders, Canada as well, mm -hmm. with a chip on their shoulder and an indoctrination that somehow we are the enemy and then bringing them in to be used as sleeper cells for when they pull the final plug, you know, so we just have ultimate chaos. I want borders. I want ice on the borders containing the people that are coming in because we are in the midst of World War III. Right. So, yeah, don't mistake what I just said 
with uh, a misunderstanding of exactly what's going on right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. We went, uh, I was supposed to go camping. Luckily, that didn't work out because it was going to be very uncomfortable with my family. But uh, so yeah, I was there for a day and I'm ostracized. So I was like slinking around trying not to meet anybody there. And uh, I literally ran into one massive group of, of people not from Canada after another. You know, I'd be up on the beauty walk, they come around the corner and they're speaking Mandarin and they're speaking Korean and they're speaking, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, of course, against anybody. I studied anthropology. I have a great respect for, for how all the people have found truth and, and ways to live. They're amazing. But, uh, but yeah, they are setting up this, this, uh, this situation. I don't know if I can say the R word, but they're, they're, they're manufacturing that because we're bumping up against people that don't they don't understand how how to live here they they do resent us they they have they have they have built-in animosity and and they're being relegated to the slave class because they have all the minimum wage jobs that's all that's all they can get here they're if they have degrees and they have skills it's often not even recognized here because of our huge licensing system and process and so, yeah, it's very well said what you said. I'm extremely aware of this. I was, we were completely outnumbered. I literally didn't see Canadians there. Where did they go? <laughs> and and yeah. the, the predator class, what they have done is they've abrogated the consequences of their doings onto us so that people blame us for what they're doing. And it's the oldest trick in the book. It's what they did, uh, you know, to bring down the old Russian Empire and create the Soviet Union and and every communistic fascist uh, regime in history. Mm -hmm. And now complete with uh, Auschwitz uh, identifiers. I mean, <laughs> it's like, folks, wake up. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. really? But, you know, what? And of course, we don't need the tattoos on our wrist anymore. You just carry around your iPhone with the little whatever, you know. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's unreal. I know. I know. I know. It's over the top. Absolutely. Um, one more question, if you had time for it. Stuart's a good question asker. He said he asked, uh, is there such thing as a private passport for international travel? Hmm. Um, interesting. Yeah. So with the U.S. passport, of course, you have the option of checking in the application if you're a U.S. citizen or otherwise. So definitely don't check U.S. citizen. And I believe you can get a private passport. I'm also aware within my own circles of people that figured out a way to cross the border into Mexico and come back and derive a passport through that whole process of leaving the country and coming back in gets a little bit involved. I was very interested in that, but um, yeah, it's a great question because it's something that I'm greatly interested in as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I have um, Italian citizenship and mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, have one meeting i have to go do at the san francisco consulate in order to get you know an italian passport and everything and i'm kind of questioning it you know originally i was thinking well this will you know give me a little bit of um you know options depending what happens in the u.s and all that sort of thing but you know still playing the same game so i'm looking into that very 
intently. Some people I hear that have checked the little other box, you know, other than U.S. citizen, I've heard mixed reports as far as, um, you know, whether that actually gets recognized within the system or not. And sometimes I've heard that they actually change the paperwork after the fact. I used to do that on driver's licenses years ago, you know, qualify it with all sorts of stuff. And of course, it never shows up on the final paperwork. So I guess the best answer I have is uh, I don't know. And um, I'm very, very much seeking uh, remedy in that too. And one thing, uh, you know, you hear a lot of your guests say over and over, and, and I've said the same thing is there's always a remedy, always is. There has to be. Mm. It's just up to us to find it. Beautiful. Yeah, we're not in a world where, where, uh, it's the programming that says you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, can't win, you know, it's not going to work. That's that's not God's way. That's not how God rolls. Yeah. I was just going to say quickly about the passport, too, and I, th I think I have to start to wrap up because I've got something going to start as well. And it's mm -hmm. that uh, I heard you only need a passport if you go through a port. Right. So it's not it's not actually about entering a country or existing or, you know, having your, um, you know, co habitating or um inhabiting a, a country it's about uh having to actually go through their port system and so um, I, I i i agree with that a hundred percent and of course what you end up doing is dealing with a gatekeeper that if your papers are not in order you're going to get a lot of grief just like everything else so right. yeah in principle that's that's correct we don't need mm -hmm. a passport no nope, we just need a private jet <laughs> I have around. a good friend in Australia who's in the billionaire class and they won't even let him travel on his private jet right now. Are you serious? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Australia's uh, intense. I'm going to be talking with a, a, a client very soon, actually, and I'm interested mm -hmm. to hear. It's been, uh, it's been quiet, unfortunately. I'm, I'm, I haven't been hearing, but so I'm hoping that's not bad news. But uh, this has been an immense pleasure, uh, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but would you please join us for a Choose Freedom Law Summit with Matt Belair and myself as well, and that we will be fully in the private. You won't have to censor yourself. <laughs> I would be honored to. Thank you for the invite. That would be great fun. Uh, awesome. Love you a lot, Beth. Matt mm. is uh, definitely a bro. Love him. And I couldn't think of anything more fun. Thanks. Yay. Yay, so good. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I will stalk you to create to make a date for that. <laughs> and uh, thank you everyone for for joining us today. This is a very important topic. I, I did know it would be good. And uh, here I am just feeling on top of the world with so much uh, to go. And I, I hope uh, I hope you turn around and, and teach this stuff. No pressure. I know you've got a lot on your plate, but uh, it sounds like you have an incredible amount to offer. Experience is priceless. That's what makes you an expert, actual experience. And that's the thing. They turned an expert into somebody who has a lot of, you know, memorized facts and can regurgitate them. That's not expertise at all. That's yeah, it's good you have that, but uh, but you you exude true wisdom. And uh, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experiences. Thank you. <laughs> Total pleasure. All right, a lot of love. I'm going to be back on tomorrow. By the way, is tomorrow uh, Wednesday? Yes, uh, with Chance Garten, and we're going to be doing a show called "The Devil Is in the Data." So we talked. We started talking Ooh. about accounting. Yeah, yeah. This is from my friend Art in BC. He said, "God knows everything, and the devil wants to know everything." 
So we're going to talk a lot about that accounting and uh, the, the whole chances of wonderful. He's the, the, co the host of Interverse podcast. Great mind if you're not familiar with him. This guy, he, he just, he's a beautiful young mind that, that can uh, think in, in incredible, um, you know, beyond his years. He's picking up a lot of wisdom from, from his teachers as well. And uh, I think that's pretty much it for now. If you haven't yet signed up to the Choose Freedom Law Summit where we're going to be hosting there, then you can sign up with the link that's in the notes below. I um, am not going to grab it this second or let's see how close it is. Maybe it is closer than I thought. Um, yes, thank you. Uh, shout out to my assistant, Janine Bourier, who's been helping me get all of these streams up. By the way, it's been an absolute godsend. If you're hearing this, then uh, God bless you. Thank you. I love you. This is, uh, she helped us a lot. I would have been dead by now over the summit, I tell you, if it weren't for her. And here's the link if you want to sign up. It is by donation. Now we had it up for six weeks set at no charge whatsoever. Now it's by donation. But if you can't afford it, just message us and, and let us know. And if you already messaged me and I for some reason missed it, please do it again. Don't don't hesitate to bug me once more about it. So, uh, so there's the link there. And uh, I think that's pretty much it for now. I will also be on Interverse myself. I mean, Chance is going to host me on Friday. So I think that covers this week pretty much. And Bear, anything you want to share with that's uh, going on on your side, what's coming up on Alpha Vedic or anything else that you want to certainly talk about your products? People can go and buy these amazing products that can't get to Canada yet for some reason. Yeah, we have a problem with customs. Um, and so it's just it was more grief than, you know, we'll, we'll get up there though. Um, yeah, just, just real quick. Uh, you know, we have a, a farm based on permaculture design. Uh, we run it with bio, uh, you know, dynamic principles, um, you know, and our whole thing as people are deciding to exit the system and saying, okay, what do I exit to? Our whole prototype is to create, um, you know, new little decentralized units that are growing their own food, uh, growing their own medicinal herbs, learning how to make medicines out of those. Um, and, you know, just, you know, I kind of exited a lot of the, the legal processes because, you know, I realized we need something tangible to go to. So we're creating the physical substance that will sustain people and then create, you know, a teaching center here where we can pass on what we've learned. And, and uh, hopefully these things will just start populating the planet all over the place there you go beautiful vision i love it so definitely go and visit alphavedic.com their uh, youtube channel is under the same name mike winner and and berlando you you go live every single week right you've got a, a new show yes yeah yeah thursdays at 10 o'clock usually thursdays at 10 o'clock including very people good. like you and we definitely want to have you back on very soon Awesome. I would love that. And I got such a great response. Your, your audience, they're like gold, beautiful people awesome. who come through the door. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So very mutual. All right, everyone. I hope you have a, a great rest of your day. Stay strong. Know who you are. Remember awareness. Right? If there's anything the most important to work on right now is just to have your wits about you, to be seeing and, uh, and not at the mercy of, of the programming that they would prefer us to be. So once again, thank you, Bear. Thank you, everyone who joined in the chat. I'll be enjoying more comments later as well. And I will see you back here on this channel tomorrow. Bye, everyone.